What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. You know we make men wear pregnancy bellies so they can relate to women. NBA players should start wearing false eyelashes so they know what WNBA players are capable of. Welcome to Spencer's, a podcast where we are spotlighted by Apple. I'm Haley O'Shaughnessy. I'm a recovering basketball writer. I'm Jordan Liggins. I'm an editor at Mojo. Before we start today, we want to shout out Apple Podcasts for making us their Spotlight podcast. Spotlight is a new thing from Apple Podcasts where they choose one show a month to highlight. For May, they chose Spinsters. Woo! How lucky are we? None of this really feels real. We just started this <laughs> in March. It just has felt like such a flurry. And then this happened and it feels, I don't know, it, it feels nice. But yeah, how do you feel about it? Well, I think we have to pat ourselves on the back a little bit. We've been working really hard and people, you know, it's resonating and there there's spinsters. There's many spinsters everywhere. It's like we have a little group. It's I'm fun. I'll cut that out. <laughs> cut cut that out. Just not out of the show, but just like so I can listen to it whenever I'm having a bad week. <laughs> you saying that we're doing a good job. No, it is really cool. It's honestly been a really good experience. If you're new to our show or to us because you found us off of the Apple Spotlight spot, each week we're talking about basketball, but not always in the same way. This amazing man who works at Apple Podcasts, Juan, wrote something about the show that's now in the show notes. So you can check that out if you'd like. Shout out, Juan. I hope that the Dodgers win it all for you, my friend. And (laughs) if you're new here, this is our spiel. Some shows like this week, We're talking about what happened over the weekend in the NBA. Jordan is obsessed with the WNBA. Um, Other shows, we're doing deep dives and talking to people to investigate things. On top of that, some shows we have contributors bringing us reported stories. Basically, if we're going back to the origin, since I was just talking about when the show started and it being pretty recently, we wondered what an audio magazine would sound like because... Mm -hmm. We felt like not all basketball things should be discussed in the same framework. And when in written pieces, they're not. And our bosses haven't fired us yet. So we're doing great. We're doing great. (laughs) Jordan, what episodes would you recommend if people are curious, if they want to hear some of the variety we were just talking about? Because like I said, we have to talk about the play in tournament today. Mm -hmm. We have great stuff, but there is a variety of things to choose from. So what would you recommend if people are going back? Well, first, I say every episode is my favorite episode because it's true. But one of my first favorite episodes was when we did a deep dive into Magic Johnson and the NBA's first health crisis that they tackled uh, in 1992. And another one would have to be um, Why Don't Women Dunk? That was, I think, a perfect episode of us following our curiosities and diving more into it and having great contributors like Natalie Weiner bring us that story. And then just recently, the Knicks episode was so much fun because we had our very good friend, Steve Silk, bring Mm -hmm. us a late night radio vibe 
for you know our listeners to call in, leave voicemails, and talk about their Knicks fandom. And it was so much fun to not only record, but to listen to. <laughs> yeah, shout out Tyler Parker, who voiced Steve Silk. That one was really fun. You're right. So yeah, we're getting to try a lot of different things. Um, we have a great feature coming in a couple of weeks that is about energy guys, like the the quote-unquote energy player. So and excited. a few surprise guests later this month that you will enjoy. So stick around. Also, I think that because there might be some new listeners who found us from Apple Podcast Spotlight, um, I think been informed that I should be aware that I might be catching people off guard. So we might need to give a little disclaimer. First of all, new listeners, I bet you look amazing today. Um, Love that shirt. Second, I think we need to pre-warn you that there might be some explicit language used in our podcast or even worse, sometimes we talk about the Kings. (laughs) I need to do another disclaimer. I haven't slept. (laughs) Oh, at all. I had took a red eye last night after the games. I'm home because my brother's getting married and Yay! I flew home. I'm seeing my family. I honestly, every time I think about seeing my family, I start tearing up because it's been so long. Yes. But honestly, like that is fueling me. But also I'm just so excited about the play in games. It's going to be fun. Speaking of the play in tournament later in the show, we have Lindsey Gibbs coming on to talk about the WNBA's playoff format, which they changed for the 2016 season and they really experimented with it and it's been a success. It's wild. And we talked about why the NBA can learn from it Mm -hmm. and we want them to embrace the play in tournament and keep it. Okay, so on Tuesday, first game, Hornets Pacers. Mm hmm. Hmm. mm. Hmm. (laughs) Not so much excitement there. I got the Hornets. That's, That's what I'm saying. I think yeah. they've been fun all year and they're spiking at the right moment. So I think that's going to be good for them. Yeah, I have them too. I mean, bless the Pacers' hearts. I still don't know when Miles Turner will be back from his toe injury. I looked up exactly what he had when it first happened and it's like a partial tear of the plantar plate of something in his big toe. <laughs> Toes should not be that complicated. <laughs> it's, it's too small. To have all of that going on. Like, we don't have all that much going on in our toes. It seems pretty cut and dry. But anyway, he, we still don't know when he's going to be back. Yorkren, players hate him. No one's having a good time. Did you see that report about TJ Warren opting for season-ending surgery? Please tell me you saw this. I did not. Okay, let's play two truths and a lie. I'm going to tell you three situations. I you tell this. me which one you think actually happened. Okay, okay. Okay. Situation number one, TJ Warren immediately asked for a trade the minute that he found out York Gren was going to be the head coach. Situation number two, TJ Warren opted for elective season ending surgery because he did not want to play under his new coach. Situation number three, he purposefully missed multiple COVID tests to avoid playing for him. Which one is the truth? I'm going to go with door number two. He purposely was like, I'm out because we're not going to win. So according to reports, one and two are what happened. And he immediately (laughs) asked for a trade. I will say that the same day that report came out, 
TJ Warren replied to the guy who wrote it on Twitter and said, don't use me to, to push false narratives. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know how much of it to believe. I think if you see the writing on the wall, maybe if you're not even just a fan of the coach or you don't believe in the coach and you're like, well, might as well just get this season ending surgery because I think it will help me. But mm-hmm. still, it's pretty bad. What everyone's been talking about for this matchup, Hornets, Pacers, is that they both play zone. Oh, that's another episode people should go back and listen to. We just did a deep dive on the 2001 rule change. It was the 20th anniversary last month of when the NBA began to accept zone defense in their hearts again. Before 2001, it was banned. You could not play it, which sounds made up, but I promise you it's not. But to me, what's more interesting than like a defense versus defense situation is that the Pacers are allowed to fill a fourth of their arena. In 2021, that's home court. That's like really good home court advantage after a year of very spotty home. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it feels like it, sometimes it doesn't. That'll be overwhelming. Oh my gosh, that would be. So now you're playing against the Pacers and their fans and it's, I feel like it might go into shock a little bit. Like, what is this cheering? <laughs> I know. Like, think of the first time you had a conversation. Have you been out to dinner yet? Think of the first time you had, like, a conversation with a waiter, like, whatever. It's it's weird. You don't know how it's to awkward. act anymore. So that might happen. They might have that <laughs> be a situation. Let's play a game. Why watch this? And then what will make you have secondhand embarrassment? Oh, gosh. My pro is well, Terry Rogier. That's what I was going to say. The Hornets are so fun to watch regardless, but you put these stakes on them and you want to watch Scary Terry. You want to watch LaMelo. You want to see what they're going to do and you know it's going to be exciting. Now, what gives me secondhand embarrassment is they might cough it up because they've never been in this situation before and they don't have the experience that the Pacers do of the playoffs. I could just see it going down to the wire and the Hornets just blowing it. But I hope that doesn't happen. (laughs) There's even a good outcome out of that, which is that the Hornets are way ahead of schedule, Mm -hmm. as they like to say in sports with young teams. So (laughs) any playoff experience is just a bonus. Yeah. Whichever team wins of this number 10 Hornets or number nine Pacers and goes on to fight for a playoff spot against the loser of the other Eastern Conference play-in game in this tournament. Probably won't go very far in the playoffs if they (laughs) make it in. Might not even win that game, but it's good. It's I mean, for the Pacers, it's good because it's an end. For the Hornets, it's good because it's experience. Yeah. Do you buy the claim that momentum can carry a team further than you would think? In the playoffs. So like if the Hornets win, they are on this high and they play another game and they go into a series like, do you feel like the momentum can actually work in their favor or it's just like, okay, you're not good enough? No, 100 percent, especially with a team like that who's so fast and young and Mm -hmm. that kind of embodies like remember earlier in the season we were talking about them being our team to rob a bank. Like if we were going to have a heist team that we assembled, it would be the Hornets. And they reminded us so much of last year's heat. Last mm-hmm. year's heat, that is exactly what they did. They had this huge run built off momentum and Bam and Jimmy randomly are 
probably in shape to do something. I'm not going to say similar because the East like has really scary teams this year, but yes, I, Mm -hmm. they're built if of any team, their spirit is built to do exactly that. Yeah. And I I think that's kind of the wizards too, because the next matchup is wizards Celtics. And if you think about how Beal and Russ are playing right now, again, they're peaking at the right moment. And if I'm Brad Stevens, I'm scared because I feel like my job is kind of on the line. If we lose and we lose again to the momentum teams, I don't know. We might have to call on Charlene. (laughs) (laughs) I want to, I would love any any excuse to call her. We (laughs) earlier in the year did a mini deep dive on whether Brad Stevens has lost his shine with fans loving him, but also is he genuinely the coach he used to be? Mm hmm. I don't think the latter should be put into question. He's had a lot of really tough breaks this year. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brown won't be playing. So that's another thing that is working against him and the Celtics. If I'm the Celtics, yes, it'd be mortifying to lose uh, this game. It'd be mortifying to not make the playoffs at all. Are they going to get past the first round? No, no. But it's it's also, I'm not saying that to shit on the Celtics. I'm just saying it's, Everything's worked against you this year. For some teams, they've been able to get through it. Other teams have been luckier. I mean, actually, I can't really say I'm I'm trying to think of any team that kind of escaped the wrath of this year and none of them did. They all played yeah. horrific schedules that were smushed <laughs> together in terms of like dates, but also spread apart in terms of location. Every player had to wake up, you know, after these late games bright and early and go get their test without fail. They're playing these really late nights, night after night after night. They're traveling. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you wake up late one morning. (laughs) I did not wake up late this morning. Um, I have not slept again. (laughs) (laughs) You can't you can't wake up late if you never sleep. Uh Ask Isabel how many recordings I have been, quote unquote, late to because I was, quote unquote, I don't know, walking my dog, a.k.a. asleep. This is not on display. <laughs> She's not about to leak it to Woj that like the reason I can't play is because I missed a test. Boston Celtics fans, I understand this sucks. I feel for you. But at the same time, it is awful to miss the playoffs, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's indicative of the potential your team has. Yeah, and we talked about too, like, Jason Tatum had COVID. (laughs) Like, did we forget about that? And how he has to use an inhaler now before every Mm -hmm. game. So when we were talking about, too, just like this season and how it is weird and for everyone, there are things that are going to last beyond this season. And so I do hope that Brad gets a break this year because a lot has been going on, not only for his team, but for the whole league. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because, Jordan, you and I have talked about before, what from this season will we never see again? What is Mm -hmm. just going to be an anomaly floating in history forever? And then what will carry over from this season? We're we're hoping the play-in tournament. You and I are both already fans. please. But one of the things that will carry over that's a negative is I don't think that all players necessarily after this year will have the same zeal for playing in this league. Yeah. I mean, we could list off so many players who have publicly said, this has really done me in. Like, this is actually, basketball's been really hard for me to play this year, and it's kind of changed my perspective on the game. All to bring it back to the Celtics, 
if the worst is ahead in terms of like not making the playoffs or making the playoffs only to be eliminated in the first round, I think there is some genuine upside in giving everyone some rest and a break. Yeah. However, I am very much looking forward to Bradley Beal versus Jason Tatum. Heck yeah. These are the type of scenarios that random people on Twitter make up. You know, if you're in a tournament, would you want Bradley Beal or Jason Tatum? Who wins? Like, we actually get to see that. That's what makes it so exciting. So I want to write a letter to Adam Silver, like with my left hand to pretend it's from a child to say, (laughs) please keep the play in tournament. This brought joy back. Thank you. Love you. Bye. Yeah. But also like give players enough rest so they (laughs) feel like it's not an unfair thing going into it. Give your uh, reason to watch this game and then also the secondhand embarrassment potential. I would say reason to watch is what we just said. Bradley Bill, Russell Westbrook gets another triple double. Them just being excited to play with each other. I think that's a, a good enough reason. Cringe the Celtics. It falls flat. Jason Tatum can't do it by himself. And it's kind of like, you know, put a pillow over your face because you don't want to look. It's like a crash and burn scenario. That's what my fear is. Yeah. My reason to watch is Russell Westbrook. Every chance he gets, it's just like his whole career has been this huge ebb and flow of people being Mm -hmm. upset and thinking that he's been placed in a position of esteem he shouldn't. And then him doing something like helping the Wizards get to a play-in game to the eighth spot, which in any regular season would just mean you're in. And they've been so exciting lately. I genuinely think that they will win. I think they're going to win this game against the Celtics. On Wednesday, we have the Spurs and the Grizzlies. What are your thoughts? What are your feelings? Is it a snooze fest? Is it exciting? The Grizzlies are never a snooze fest. DeJounte Murray is never a snooze fest. I think the most important thing to take away from this game is that we're going to get to see John Morant versus DeJounte. And I do think that this also has a lot of potential for neither of these teams will make it in, especially considering the other matchup. But I do think it'll be entertaining. Young guard versus young guard. Yeah. Watching the Grizzlies the other night, it was just a reminder that they're so young and I just think the Spurs experience I really is going to win here regardless this isn't the you know typical Spurs team like we talked about earlier in the season but you just have this playoff aura that kind of surrounds San Antonio that they're just like oh we feel comfortable here this doesn't feel new this feels like this is where we're supposed to be where Memphis it's like don't mess up Like, that's how I feel like they are at the end of every game. It's like, jaws like running around everywhere. And it's like, okay, take a deep breath. It's okay. This is basketball. This is what you play. And I feel like they freak out at the end of every game and they lose. Which I think you can chalk up to them being young. They're about half and half in close game situations and finishing them out. But they don't shoot very well in those clutch situations. About 42.7% from the field. I'm jumping ahead. But that's my cringe moment to see them try to shoot at the end of close games. You think they'll potentially collapse? Yeah, I definitely do. Because that's what I've been seeing. I know you said it's half and half. That's what I've been seeing mostly this season. And yeah, I think you can talk that up to age and experience, but that's going to be cringy to watch in a playoff type situation. It's funny that 
the aura of the Spurs having been there before carries over for some reason in our subconscious, even though the team is so different than the Spurs teams that actually have been there. But I know what you really want to talk about. Yes. Lakers-Warriors Wednesday. First, I saw something on Twitter that was like, Adam Silver is so happy that this happened. This is like his his mecca of why we do this and the ratings conversation. But it's one of those like happy to be here because this Lakers season was a dumpster fire. I am a little nervous to play against Steph right now. He is playing out of his mind. I think I'm going to be like fingers crossed, one eye open, (laughs) making sure that, you know, Kuzma doesn't do something stupid just for the gram and that we pull it out. All I want is AD and LeBron to be healthy. The game on Sunday, they both were like limping at some point. And I was like, sit them out. Just (laughs) only come in (laughs) for primetime moments. Like, I feel like I've said this before. AD is a glass man and he is so fragile. So I just want them to be gently placed on a pillow at center court when this starts. And I will have my fingers crossed. I tried to think of something that was good analysis for what the Lakers have to do, but it's like the most pedestrian analysis. They have to make threes and they have to stay healthy. Those two things determine their wins and losses entirely. That is extremely 2020, 2021 season analysis, but that's what they have to do. Steph versus LeBron is canon, like you said. Adam Silver, I'm sure, is very happy. It will be extremely entertaining. (laughs) I want to watch Steph as much as I can this season. LeBron called him his MVP over the weekend. Yeah, which is cute. But it also is interesting because it's setting up another historic LeBron feat. Or, I Mm -hmm. mean, possibly historic Steph feat. But, I, I mean, if they make it in, maybe they'll advance around. But I don't see much further than that. At the end of the day, if LeBron and... Anthony Davis are healthy. That will win you a championship. There is actual proof of that. But one of the weird (laughs) side storylines is Dennis Schroeder and the mystery COVID absence, which is so (laughs) confounding because he was walking in circles with the reporters who were asking him about it. On one hand, it is personal medical information. I can sympathize. I guess on the other hand, you're trying to figure out as as a reporter, is this person going to be available? But what Schroeder said was that he can't get it anymore in the playoffs, it being COVID, I presume, (laughs) because he really did not clarify. (laughs) And then they were like, oh, so you tested positive for COVID because one would think if you can't get it anymore, it's because you have the antibodies because that's the information that we have been going by, I guess, for the past over half a year. And Schroeder was like, no, I didn't (laughs) test positive and I also didn't get vaccinated, but I'm just going to leave it at that. Literally, quote, I'm going to leave it at that. The reporter said, I'm sorry, maybe this is on my end and I'm just not understanding. But you said you can't get it. That's literally women in meetings were like, oh, I'm sorry. um, And this is probably me just misunderstanding. But did the thing you said that literally didn't make any sense not make any sense? (laughs) (laughs) Schroeder said, quote, next question, maybe then fuck. What do you want me to say? Next question. Simple. Goddamn. And then the reporter said, I guess maybe my question is moot. Basically, Dennis Schroeder, 
I don't know what's going on, but I guess he he did. <laughs> He's back on the court though. Yeah, and we really missed he him. He does not believe that he can get COVID in the playoffs, but he also tested negative for it. But he didn't get vaccinated. Okay, enough Dennis Schroeder talk. The WNBA started and it's amazing. It's so much fun. 25 years. I really feel like this season's going to be different. Like it's really going to move the WNBA forward. I know that's a lot of pressure, but just marketing. All the NBA players had WNBA shirts on this weekend and it made my heart flutter. So I feel like as a league, it's going to take a big step forward. And the games have already been great. There's been that's two Sabrina game shot winners. Was crazy. I know it was so good. And I know it was coming down to the wire. And I talked to Sabrina, you know, a couple months ago and she really just wanted to play basketball again. She was injured last season. She only played three games after all the hype of her rookie year. So it was wonderful to see her not only back on the court, but thriving and then having that game winning shot was amazing. And then you have Diana Taurasi having a game winner, which the world feels normal again. <laughs> if Diana Taurasi after the Sabrina one, I Googled where do people think that she's going to end like all time on the rankings, which is like a conversation that I hate having usually. And it's just it turned me oh into my gosh. someone on the Internet. But I was just so curious. I was like, where do people see her ending up? Because you watch one game, one possession, and you're just so sold on her. The season has started. It's going to be great. And we brought Lindsey Gibbs on to talk about the WNBA's playoff format and how they have a similar style of play-in, single elimination, and what the NBA can learn from that. Lindsey Gibbs, after the break. Wow, it's finally summer, but also like, wow, how is it already summer? Either way, I'm welcoming this season with all things bedding, bath, loungewear from Brooklinen. And with their Memorial Day sale happening right now, Brooklinen's offering site-wide savings on all things comfort for this summer and beyond, working directly with manufacturers to ensure premium comfort at a fraction of the retail price. They deliver award-winning comfort direct to your door. Stock up on all things summer comfort and shop the Memorial Day sale now. And if you're listening to this podcast after the air date, don't worry. You can still go to brooklinen.com and use the code SPIN for $20 off your first order of $100 plus free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code SPIN for $20 off your first order of $100 plus free shipping. Brooklinen. Everything you need to live your most comfortable life. So, Jordan, while we're talking about the play-in tournament, which regardless of whether you or your team is upset about being in it, that's pretty understandable at this point, is going to be a big deal. It's going to be a big draw. And I know that the NBA is worried about its draw. Like, we have to deal with ratings conversations periodically. It feels like every quarter. I don't want to stay on it too long. Like last year's finals, game six, where the Lakers won, brought in 13 million fewer viewers than in game six in 2019. And over the course Mm. of the entire finals, it was so few that the audience made it the lowest rated NBA finals series on record. And then with a comparison of how many more people watched the 10-part documentary on ESPN 
of Michael Jordan, it made it even worse. <laughs> but I don't want to talk about why the ratings are lower. That's not the point of this conversation at all. Because I, you and I, we've heard enough speculation about why, and a lot of it is so gross. And a lot of, especially the past year, has suggested that the ratings are lower because the NBA is promoting, and I'm putting this in quotes because I don't really think that they're doing all that much, um, activism and protests and highlighting protests, and that that's the reason that audiences are turned off. When there's no basis for that argument, um, the only basis yeah. is the unchecked bias of any media member suggesting it or whatever scared, cowardly league source they're getting that information from. The idea that a highly diverse audience, which is like the thing that the NBA loves saying the most, <laughs> the number that people have said for years is 54 percent of the fans of the NBA are non-white. And then I think like a slightly less than 50 percent identify as Democrats, which I'm like, what is that really saying now? So you're a centrist. That's great. <laughs> but there's no way that this diverse of a fan base is turned off by the insistence that minorities are treated fairly. And this can all be so easily debunked that I think it's a waste of time to talk about why the ratings are down. I, you know what I mean? Like, especially last year, yeah. it's there's it's an aberration for so many reasons. But I want to talk about why change is healthy ahead of the play-in tournament. I'm so excited about the play-in tournament. Any team or, or a fan of the team, like we said at the top, is freaked out right now and probably opposes this mm -hmm. play-in tournament. But change is good. Change is fun. And there is precedent for change, which is why we brought on one of our favorite people to talk about that precedent today. Hi, Spinsters. I'm uh, Lindsay Gibbs. So happy to be here. I ha run the Power Plays newsletter which is uh, about uh, sexism in sports. I say sexism, et cetera, in sports, uh, particularly women's sports. And uh, I'm a co-host of the Burn It All Down podcast. Everyone go listen to that podcast. It's amazing. Lindsay, I love you. I'm so happy you're here, especially because we're going to talk WNBA playoffs. And we want to see what the NBA can learn from the WNBA's openness to change. So we wanted to ask you, Lindsay, about how the WNBA playoff format came to be. It is a controversial and a little <laughs> bit complicated format. But if you like creativity and if you open your mind to change, there's a lot to love about this. <laughs> so when did the WNBA playoff format change? And then also what made the league change? 2015. When Adam Silver started really publicly expressing how unhappy he was with how the WNBA was doing and saying things publicly like we just haven't cracked the code for like we all thought the WNBA would be so much further ahead than it is now and it's not. So he decided to do that, which, of course, spurned a huge news cycle of like, what's wrong with the WNBA? Why are we, you know, like, what yeah. is this? Women's sports just can't work. Well, at the time, <laughs> there was no president of the WNBA because uh, Laurel Ritchie, I believe, had just stepped down and uh, they were kind of looking for the next next president. So Mark Tatum, who's a deputy commissioner of the NBA, uh, kind of oversaw this revamp of the WNBA playoffs that went into effect in 2016. And a big thing was to work with ESPN to make sure that all of the games would actually be broadcast, which um, mm -hmm. it's amazing that all the Why all is the, the WNBA not doing well? 
problem. <laughs> Nobody can crazy. find it. Um, crazy thought. I just like don't really want to get into that. Uh, now the ESPN <laughs> had al- always, you know, or at least since the early 2000s, had the the you know, the finals and, you know, the semis and stuff. But I think uh, mm-hmm. judging by press releases, which said that this was the first time that all playoff games would be on ESPN, it seems like that, you know, wasn't a thing until uh, genius Mark Tatum thought that might be helpful. I don't know. But in order to do this, you know, there is a tight window for the WNBA playoffs because the season ends and you kind of got it all done before everybody goes back overseas to keep playing. Um, Mm -hmm. So you got to get a little creative with it. And here's what they did. First of all, the WNBA was in a place like the NBA where the Western Conference just way better than the Eastern Conference year after year after year. So they got rid of conferences when it comes to playoff seedings. There are 12 teams and teams won the top eight records get into the playoffs, period. It does not matter what conference you are in. That's the first thing I absolutely love. Second, uh, it's a four-round playoff. So the first two rounds are single elimination, which is the most controversial part. We'll get to that. But the first two rounds are single elimination. The buys. Once again, I told you this is complicated. So just work with me. Okay. (laughs) And what year did this all change again? So 2016 is when it starts. So it's got four rounds. Your first two rounds are single elimination. Your semis and your finals are uh, both best of five. Now here's where it gets extra interesting. There's lots of buys involved. Okay. So your top two seeds get buys directly to the best of five semifinals. Your three and four seeds get a buy just to the second round, which is still single elimination. And then in the first round, seeds five through eight play, you know, five and eight and then six and seven play each other to get a chance to go to the next round. So there's so many tiers that make this exciting. Plus your seed really super matters because you get reseeded mm-hmm. after every round. So if there's a huge upset, things still get shuffled. So you're not stuck in your brackets, which is, I think, also really exciting. Can you imagine if the NBA reseeded after every round? Hello, NBA. Like, we're giving you a blueprint. Okay, here. so WNBA has been like, doing it. So it's after right that. Next door. <laughs> But these women need our help. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just like it's there. It's like on ESPN. Like it's so uh, accessible. So, yeah. So I guess there are three things that are really kind of revolutionary about this. Number one, the buys, which is kind of like a play-in tournament, right? To get into the semifinals is essentially a play-in tournament, right? Like it's still considered mm-hmm. the playoffs in the WNBA, but it very much has that feel, like to get to the real series. And then, you know, reseeding after every round and forgetting conferences. And it's been, look, there are a lot of players and a lot of coaches who still don't love it, right? When that works against you, you're not going to be happy. What really I think is important to note when I was looking out of here. So since 2016, when this was implemented, three out of the five WNBA finals um, have gone to game five, uh, which is just thrilling. Mm. So you really do feel like you're getting the best teams. And all three of those five series were technically interconference battles. So the Connecticut Sun and the Washington Mystics, both in the Eastern Conference. So under a standard playoff would not have been able to 
face each other in the finals. And then, of course, you had your two classics with the Sparks against the Lynx, who would not have been able to face each other in the finals. So you're getting these really classic matchups and you're still getting these rivalries that are forming. It's just you're getting to see them now on the biggest stages because you're not beholden to this conference structure, which is, you know, had for so many of the years had been just, the, you know, the Phoenix and the L.A. and the Lynx. Um, you know, beating up on each other and then, you know, Mm -hmm. killing the dream or whoever snuck through the East in the finals. And it's the same for the NBA. Like, how many times have we said the Western Conference Finals should be the finals? Because those are really the main and the best two teams, but they have to play some random team that probably has LeBron on it on the East. Look, it's not 100%, right? And there are definitely years where injury, you know, I mean, last year we had, you know, the Storm just dominated the Aces in the finals, right? That just what what it was. It was just a year where the Storm were just that much better than everyone else and the Aces had injuries. Another year, Elena mm-hmm. Deladon uh, was limping through the, the finals, right? When the Mystics made it to play Seattle. They also got swept by Seattle. Um, there's a common denominator here, which is Brianna Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> bad luck for the for the opponent so I'm not saying like it's 100% you're gonna get like this mega blockbuster um but it certainly does um I think give you a lot better chance to get your top two teams uh in the finals it makes the first couple rounds thrilling which I'll be honest I have a hard time even tuning into the first three rounds of the NBA playoffs these days because they're just a lot of the time it's so boring blowouts like I wait till I hear that like there's like a game five or something and then I'm like okay all right I'm here the ironic thing for me listening to all of this is that you've told me before Lindsay that David Cern has said things similar to what Adam Silver said in 2015 when David Cern was the commissioner he like threatened to shut down the league a couple of times and now Adam Silver in 2015 16 I think I think he says it every year but yeah something okay like yeah every year <laughs> <laughs> Adam Silver routinely is saying you guys need to change. Meanwhile, internally, the NBA itself is so concerned about ratings. So what's ironic to me is that the NBA is saying you need to change. The WNBA said, fine, they changed. Their numbers have shot up. People really care. It's a fascinating structure. It's kind of cutthroat when you think about the first round. But things can change all the time for the better. And meanwhile, the NBA is like, well, that's great for them. I'm so glad that that's working for them. Anyway, what should we do about our ratings? (laughs) Right. And I mean, look, it's always hard. Ratings conversations are always hard because there's so much nuance and, you know, but it's important to note that last year when every other league in the world's ratings went down, the WNBA's ratings, the WNBA finals ratings were up 15 percent and they were going against the NBA finals in a lot of those games, you know? Yeah. Time and time again, uh, when I was researching ratings, you know, there was, you know, record ratings for the WNBA finals, um, you know, whether it be on ABC or whether it be on ESPN and WNBA ratings aren't exactly surging because I don't think any television ratings are surging these days because that's just kind of the nature of it. But it's we are solidifying the base and moving it upwards, right? In a way that I think um, a lot of men's sports are having trouble doing. And I think that this innovation is, while not perfect, and I want to reiterate, 
a lot of players and coaches hate this because they don't want to work all season and lose in one game. There are a lot of people who feel like LeBron James does. And um, especially when they're the three or the four seed. And and Mm -hmm. I do think that second round needs to be changed to a series. But we're getting a better product during the regular season and in the WNBA finals. And that should be the goal, <laughs> like for everything. Like that's the goal. Yeah. And that's why I love the WNBA because they are forever changing and they're not afraid of it. Just like, you know, this year we're going to have a commissioner's cup and whatever that looks like. And a couple years ago in the All Star game, there was like, um, you know, substitutions were different and they're just switching things up all the time and they're kind of seeing what sticks. And the NBA, just like you said, Haley, is terrified of that. Like they do not want to change anything. Changing their all-star game was a huge deal too. It was a huge deal. There was this big report last season when during the social justice initiatives where they made this big deal about how like Chris Paul had talked to Obama in the middle of the season and had, you know, Obama had encouraged them to like set up a social justice council right in the middle of the season. Right. And it was all these headlines about how Obama had. And I was like, the WNBA has had a social justice council since, since the beginning of their the season. Of the season. Hello. Do you guys, anyone? Sometimes Hello? they don't just like look down the hall at what is happening. Like, and it drives me mad. <laughs> And, you know, I also think with women's sports in general, because there's so much scrutiny on them, because there's so much pressure, because there's so many people wanting to write them off at every single turn, they come from a place where they are willing to scrap and claw and fight for any sort of relevancy and any kind of sort of change. Like they've had to fight for everything they've got. And I think that makes a league like the WNBA more open to change um, because there is no certainty (laughs) right there. There is no, uh, there is nothing. Nothing's been guaranteed to them. Uh, And so I think that's why we see, you know, across women's sports and in the WNBA in particular, you know, some more innovation. And ultimately I think it's stuff that other leagues can learn from. Thank you so much, Lindsay. You know, we can talk WNBA for days and days on end. But thank you for coming to Spinsters. Where can people find you? Oh, I'm so happy to have been here on Spinsters. Uh, <laughs> such a fan. <laughs> um, you can find me. I'm on Twitter at Lens Sports. You can subscribe to Power Plays at powerplays.news and burn it all down where we talk about all sports on a weekly basis. You can find wherever, probably the same place you're listening to this podcast. So. That's our show. Please keep leaving us your fan confessions, irrational opinions, horoscope-based predictions, and talk about how you love or hate the play-in tournament. Let us know. Leave us a voicemail at 502-874-4453 or send us an email at spinsters at bluewirepods.com to be featured on the show. 
Spencers is hosted by me and Jordan Liggins. This episode was produced by Jordan, Isabel Jocelyn, and Alex Ward. Our production coordinator is Devin Shepard, and our executive producers are Peter Moses, John Yales, and me. Hi, y'all. Uh, it's Brendan from Bethlehem, PA. Um, <laughs> I'm very worried about um, Tobias Harris feeling comfortable with Ben and Joel, like, stealing the show so he can really thrive through the playoffs. Okay. Uh, thanks.